Alright, this is the Chance of Gaming Podcast Supplemental. This is an interview with Trevor Atridge, the creator of an upcoming game that I'm very interested in called Breachstorm. And uh, welcome to the show, Trevor. Yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> Hope you're having a good afternoon. I will say I discovered Breachstorm via a Facebook ad. So if you spent money that way, it worked. Yes, we're nailing it. <laughs> That's how I noticed it, you know, is you know, because we get these targeted ads always, and this thing uh, popped up, and I was like, huh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, look, it's a new sci-fi game. Okay, interested. Ah, it looks like the, you know, it, it the play area looks kind of smallish, so very interested, and uh, yeah. So I just started uh, following you guys, and I wanted to uh, do an interview right before you launch the Kickstarter. So if you're hearing this, the Kickstarter will launch shortly. And uh, what is that, on September 18? Yeah, that's correct. That's right. On uh, September 18th, it will launch. And uh, as of right now, you can go to BreachStorm.com and kind of check it out. So, uh, Trevor, tell me about BreachStorm. What kind of game is it? So Breachstorm is a uh, sci-fi miniatures game. So it's a hobby miniatures game. So all of the figures in it are resin figurines that players can assemble and um, you know model and, and paint up however they want. Uh, they are pre-colored. If you don't, you're not super into painting, but um, that's the the components in the game. And it is uh, sort of a free-form miniatures game along the lines of something like Warhammer or War Machine. So. Um, on the, the table, all of the distances and ranges and, and movements are measured in inches, and you have a, a, you know an enormous amount of control over where your models are positioned and, and how you move them across the table. But it's a, um, a small-scale game, so essentially the, the, the universe is a sci-fi universe, as you mentioned, and it's, um, uh, it's sort of in this, uh, in this era where large-scale conflict isn't... Um, uh, isn't particularly helpful because it's all uh, just fusion bombs and nanoviruses and you know these these big WMDs. So it's sort of a, a period of Cold War, and you control these teams of elite, um, you know, sort of co covert operatives. So you have s some small elite teams of troops, and typically it'll be about eight uh, or six to eight models per side. So um, it's a very small game compared to some of the larger miniature games out there, but it is also very streamlined, so that the game doesn't take too long to play. A typical games under an hour, and um, yeah, very simple to pick up the rules. All right, are you located you as the company located in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, we're in uh, Massachusetts. Okay, yeah, I always have to support those because you know, Dadgummit, they invent so many, so many cool games. I run into and I go to look at the Kickstarter and it's like, oh, it's coming from England <laughs> or somewhere. Yeah, and, and I was just yeah, if say it's and uh, shipping will be a bunch. So. Yeah, abs absolutely. Yeah, that's always a bear. But yeah, we we are in the U.S. and we're actually about like ninety five percent produced in the U.S. as well. So we only have a couple components that are coming out overseas, um, but all of the miniatures and and um, most of the printing and everything like that for all of the uh, the um, board components are uh, are in the U.S. as well. So pretty proud about that. All right, tell me about the the board size because that attracted me to the game. Yeah, so it's uh, played on a, a three foot by three foot board. So it's typically it's not the the same size that you'll see in other miniatures games. Um, you know that'll that'll play on a big uh, six foot by four foot. You know, big old table. Um, this is meant to you know be able to fit on on your kitchen table 
and uh, the, the game rules themselves are fairly modular. So one of the things that we are planning on doing is continuing to support the game um, later on during its lifetime. Obviously, there'll be new releases for models and things like that, but um, we'll also have alternate game modes. So uh, we, we will, it'll be able to um, to sort of uh, adapt to, to any you know size you want. So if you want to play a smaller game on an even smaller table, um, we'll have uh, rules for that available in the future. All right, is, is this primarily like an infantry versus infantry game? Yeah, so like I said before, you have a you know a team of troops, and it's a small team, and uh, you have uh, sort of a mix of, of officers and, and infantry and specialists that you can bring along. Um, and one of the cool parts about the game is that all of your models are very customizable. So you have uh, upgrades that you can equip them with, uh, a lot of which are sort of character traits or special equipment. So you can really personalize each uh, model in your team. But uh, it is a uh, it, primarily infantry game for now. Uh, but uh, you know, larger models like vehicles and things like that, I think, are something that we'd like to expand to in the near future. Sure, sure. And um, what kind of dice is used? So it's a D6 system, um, but it's a little. Um, it, there's there's a couple more uh, you know hoops to jump through than a lot of uh, of systems because you have such a low model count. Um, we wanted to make it so that um, sort of spikes in the dice rolling uh, don't don't really you know blow you out of the game early. So your models actually have um, a chart that they'll roll against on their weapon that has. Um, uh, one of three hit levels that they can uh, that they can inflict on their uh, on their target, and um, so whatever you roll on that will will tell you how much damage you do out of one of these three hit levels. So you know even if you roll all sixes on your dice rolls, the the way the system's designed is that you, the, your damage is sort of capped. Okay, so it's kind of hard to just completely kill a guy just in one round of shooting. Right. Yeah. There's actually there's you know there's no attacks in the game currently that can kill uh, an, another model in one attack. So it, it typically takes um, you know a sequence of attacks to deal a lot of damage. And most weapons without any um, without any modifiers to them aren't typically accurate enough to do more than sort of their base level of damage. So you'll have to build synergies and. Um, be able to maneuver your team in such a way that they can work off of each other to actually inflict sort of crippling damage on your opponent. Would you say it's more geared toward uh, ranged combat or close hand-to-hand? So it's a little bit of both. Um, Typically, the ranges in the game are very short if you've played a lot of other games. Um, there's a lot of similar games. I mentioned 40k and and it's sort of a Kill Team, which is its sort of offshoot, which is very similar. And Infinity have very long range weapons. Uh, but in Breachstorm, uh, the longest range weapon in the game is only 12 inches, which is you know uh, it's a third of the the table. Um, but it's you know you can't shoot from one side of the table to the other. And most of the guns in the game are going to be eight to ten inches uh, of range, so you can inflict a, an, uh, a lot of damage. Um, with your ranged attacks, but in order to bring them to bear, you will still have to sort of move into uh, the danger zone of enemy models who might be more melee-focused. Okay. Um, Now, is there like an initiative? How do you decide who goes first? Yeah, so uh, that system's actually pretty cool. So one thing I should mention is sort of the core engine of the game is that you have models called field officers, which are um, obviously the leaders of your team, and they're typically pretty powerful and, and relatively difficult to kill and, and sometimes uh, you know, can be very personal, uh, deal a lot of damage personally. Um, 
and you'll build you'll usually bring two or three of these in in your list depending on how you want to build your team um and the way it works is that players will take turns acting with a field officer um and during their activation they can pick infantry that are around them who are your normal mooks essentially and order them to act at the same time so instead of it being um you know, sort of, uh, I move all my models and then you move all your models or, or a system like that. Um, it's a little more broken up, but because you can activate, um, uh, sort of small portions of your team at a time, you still have the opportunity to build up these cool synergies and have your models work together to buff each other. Um, now the way you determine who acts first, uh, in a round is based on your objectives actually. So, um, when you build your team, so it's part of the, the list building, uh, portion of the game, You'll um, pick an attack and a defense objective, and uh, the player going first, um, typically decided by a die roll, but sometimes you can spend points to, to try to get uh, the, um, the, the initiative to go first, uh, will be the attacker. They'll use their attack objective, and the other player will use their defense objective. And then um, the attacker will act first with, with a field officer um, on the first round of the game. And then subsequent rounds are determined by who has... Um, field officers remaining. So if you actually start losing field officers before they activate, you can actually um, change the uh, the order of activation and activate slightly faster to get back into it. Okay. What about like reactionary fire or, or anything like that? So there are some um, called interrupt actions in the game, uh, which will you know trigger at certain uh, certain points. So, uh, but specific models will have them. So not every model has the ability to sort of shoot back. Uh, that said, your models have um, abilities they can use that are on the card card defenses that um, they can use in response to any attack that targets them. And, and typically, uh, most infantry models might have one or two defenses, but field officers will have a selection of them. Um, and they can, they can be uh, anything from reducing the amount of damage they take to moving out of the way of an attack to, um, you know, attacking the target back. So... Um, there are still uh, sort of those reactionary abilities, but it depends on what model you have um, who, uh, who can do that. Okay. Talk to me about the, uh, the factions. There are currently two factions for the game, correct? Yeah, so the way it works uh, for our Kickstarter is that we have two factions that are all fleshed out and ready to go. Um, but we have two more that are designed. And actually, if you check out breachstorm.com right now, there are preview articles for those two factions that have some concept art and, and talk about the mechanics. Um, each faction has very unique mechanics and all of their models are unique um, and everything like that. They'll have, they typically have their own uh, resource systems that they'll use to, uh, to get an advantage. But um, the two initial factions that we have, or, or sorry, the, those two um, those, uh, the, the third and fourth factions will be stretch goals on our Kickstarter. So um, if uh, enough people are jazzed about it, then we'll uh, ideally launch the game with four factions. But um, otherwise, we'll have two ready to go so you can play it right out of the box. Um, but those two first factions uh, are called the uh, Homeworld Confederacy, which is sort of a, uh, a human faction, very technologically advanced, uh, with a lot of powered exoskeletons and rail guns and, and things like that. But... They're uh, designed to work together as a team, so they have a lot of overlapping synergies and buffs that'll affect each other, um, and they sort of act as a military unit. So you'll have, you know, models that are can act as like forward observers to move up and mark targets for their, uh, you know, for the heavier guns back uh, back behind them, and then you can have uh, machine gunners who can lay down suppression fire so that your, you know, your more accurate uh, guns can can move forward and and take out the enemy. Um, 
The other faction uh, that we have is called the Zrenthrar Prides, and they're a sort of felinoid alien race that are much more focused on close-range combat. So they have ranged attacks, but they're typically a lot shorter range, um, and they're used to sort of lay down suppressing fire as they're moving up the table. Um, and they have um, a mechanic called uh, uh, Fury, which will give them tokens when friendly models around them um, are taken out of action. And uh, they have a code of honor that tells them to uh, die gloriously in battle. So um, at, they're sort of inspired as they, they see their comrades achieve a glorious death. And uh, they'll actually become more powerful if you kill them off. So they can uh, they have models that can interact with these fury tokens that like, they make uh, melee attacks. And they have uh, you can sort of build uh, synergies around using those tokens as a resource and channeling them into different models who might have particularly powerful attacks, for example. All right. Uh, yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, the other two factions now that may may come. You have um, the Atavari. Yep. What would be their kind of deal? Yeah. So they're really cool. So um, they're a, another alien uh, species, and their um, focus is uh, a little more abstract. They are sort of jack of all trades, so they can they can uh, participate in both sort of ranged and and close combat. Um, but unlike other factions, they'll bring uh, a lot lower models to the table. So I mentioned before that typically your teams will be six to eight models and they'll bring a lot of times four or five, but their models are, um, are very effective at, at sort of every theater of combat that they engage in. Um, and they have, uh, equipment called, uh, adaptive combat skins, which is sort of this, uh, biotechnology that they, uh, they wear, uh, into battle that is able to adapt to the, particular tactical situation that they're in. So they can actually um, change their statistics during the game um, depending on on what they need to do at any one time. Uh, they also have a lot of um, sort of psychic abilities called psychokinetics uh, in the game, and, and that deals a lot with board control and moving models around. So, uh, for example, if you're uh, you know taking cover behind a building, they can try to pull you out of that cover to get um, to be able to make ranged attacks against you, or if you're, you know, protecting your field officers, they can sort of separate your models apart so they can they can assassinate the the exact models that they want. So they're very surgical like that. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty interesting uh, playstyle. And the uh, the last one is the one I like the most, the Volucrid. Yeah, so they're um, another alien species, or uh, more insectoid, but they're sort of non-sentient. So. Um, uh, everything they do is, is based on instinct and they um, they bring a lot of models to the table. So unlike the other factions, um, they'll uh, sometimes bring, you know, 10 plus 10 to, to 15 models sometimes. Um, but they'll use uh, their comrades as a resource in and of itself. So they actually use uh, fury tokens like those run through our pride faction does. And you can spend those tokens to uh, make melee attacks during the game. But the way they get them is different. They actually get them by eating each other. So um, they can bring sort of a large number of these, uh, you know, sort of pretty ineffective, uh, you know, kind of worker models that'll just dirtle around the table. And they can use those to power their more powerful, um, you know, melee melee combatants. Okay. Now, I, I'm not sure if you've mentioned this, but I do read it on the, uh, the website. This is a 35 millimeter game, correct? Yeah, and um, it's it's uh, 35 millimeters, and you know, for those who, who work with miniatures, um, you know that's a, typically a little bit larger than uh, what most miniature lines are, which are you know between 25 and and 30 millimeter. But um, 
the models in the game are uh, what we call true scale, which is uh, means that they are trying to maintain more real, realistic proportions, whereas a lot of models uh, model ranges will sort of exaggerate things like heads and hands, um, especially so that you can um, you can sort of uh, perceive those features at a distance a little bit more. Um, but that 35 millimeter, uh, it being true scale, means that the models actually do line up with most other um, most other miniature ranges. So things like Warhammer uh, and War Machine that I mentioned before, the models will be uh, about the same size. Okay, and they will be resin, correct? Yep, yeah, that's correct. Uh, and like I mentioned, they are pre-colored, so um, each faction has its own coloration, and and the models will will come in that color. So even if you do, you're not you know, super into the hobby side of the game and you don't really want to paint them up, you're still going to have uh, some color on the table. Okay. Uh, are they multi-part models or just a single piece? Uh, they are multi-part. Um, for the most part, they're not uh, particularly difficult to assemble. Um, I think probably the most complicated model in the game has four pieces. Uh, and fortunately, our, our sculptors did a great job at, at being able to cut them so that they're, um, they're pretty easy to work with. Oh, you uh, had mentioned that... Uh the figures and the units have some upgrade type options. So if I, are you saying like I have different ways of building the model or is there only one way to build it? And that's what they come with. Um, so you mean the, the sort of the, the model proper, the actual figurine? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if yeah, I'm so... building a building, like a unit of guys, like, you know, uh, yeah, just, are they all, built a certain way or are there options like you know can one guy have a rocket launcher or a flamethrower um so each model is uh sort of unique so you don't you don't have multi-part options essentially um you know each model is its own thing that you can for the most part most of them are relatively interchangeable so if you wanted to sort of customize them and change the poses and things like that you can do that um but there aren't sort of extra parts to customize them individually. Um, currently, most of the upgrades in the game are um, sort of, uh, th there's some that represent sort of specialized ammunition and things like that, that um, isn't necessarily, you know, wouldn't be re represented on the model. I think if, once we get into um, a little more dra dramatic stuff, what we'd like to do is do, you know, some conversion kits that will have those weapons available um, in model form if you want to, to put them on your dudes. But um, for the for now, the, the the models aren't you know super customizable out of the box. Okay. Now, what is your influence like beh behind this game? Like, what miniature games do do you play? Yeah. So I was uh, for a really long time. I was a big War Machine player, um, and I really enjoyed that game. Um, coming from uh, a lot of other games, like Games Workshop games that were. Um, that were, I guess, very casual. That uh, sort of took some, took some, uh, had uh, had some freedom with their rules and, and stuff like that, um, where you just sort of kind of tried to interpret what the rules were trying to say. Um, whereas when I moved over to War Machine, I was very impressed with how they were able to create uh, a game that's both, you know, super fun to play, but also uh, is very clearly defined and each. Um, uh, each rule is is uh, very easy to understand, and basically every question uh, that you would have in the rules can be answered by you know by finding that that rule um, and reading through it. And so that was one of the big influences. Um, 
Now, I like uh, especially sort of, you know, getting older, I'm running out of time to do things. So I like um, games that are, are a little faster than that. So that's one of the reasons that this game is sort of skirmish level, um, because you can, you know, play out a whole game ver- relatively quickly with a, a, a small number of models on the field. But there's also still, um, because there's that that smaller number of models, each one can have a little bit more uh, complexity in them. So there's still uh, plenty of opportunity to build in some interesting mechanics and synergies. Well, that does bring up an interesting point. I I always look at like War Machine and Hordes as designed from the ground up for competitive play. And one of the reasons why there is a lot less rule ambiguous rules and stuff like that is because you know you can't customize your figures. When I put a Warjack down, it is what it is. You know, it's the same Warjack that you know my opponent knows about and all that. There is no well, you know. I paid extra points for a power sword or crack grenades or, you know, whatever. And so would you say uh, Breach Storm is, is safe for competitive play? Um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, even, even more than that, it's uh, probably designed with competitive play in mind. Um, I do love playing in tournaments, and so I, you know, my 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 dearest wish is that uh, people pick this up and and play it in sort of a tournament setting. Um, that said, uh, I, I did mention before that the game is the the rule set that we've created is sort of uh, modular, and so it does lend itself with things like those upgrades to some more interesting sort of legacy style campaigns and ongoing leagues and um, you know cool sort of ongoing play like that. But I do, um, I do think, yeah, that it is uh, very suitable for competitive play. Really? Okay. That's that's very refreshing, you know, kind of nowadays. A lot of people kind of shy away from it. And the weird thing is, in my opinion, a lot of people kind of think, well, competitive play causes problems. It doesn't. It's like ambiguous rules cause problems. <laughs> you know, that's that's the problem. If, yeah. if if you've got a tight rule set, you don't have to worry about competitive you know competitive play but yeah you know yeah and i i definitely agree with that and and you know one of the things playing in, in so many tournaments and i've sort of moved on to other games i play um you know like star wars armada a little bit now and some of the other fantasy flight games and and getting into that competitive scene um those the fact that there's no rules ambiguity means that there's never there's basically never any contention with your opponent and so a lot of people sort of I get very afraid of competitive play being this kind of scary thing that your opponent's going to try to get one over on you at, at all times. But the the way the rules are written is more conducive to like kind of a laid back environment where, um, you know, if there's any question, you can, you know, you can look it up, um, you know, in the PDF on your phone or whatever. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're there. You don't have to. There's no argument. There's no um, uh, discussion about it. You know, it's it's pretty black and white. And I absolutely love that. Okay. Uh, tell me about like building a force. Is there a point system or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have 100 points. Um, typically, your infantry models will range from about 10 to 15 or so, and your field officers will be in the 20-ish range. Um, and then on top of that, uh, like I was mentioning before, you do have upgrades, and those are represented on separate cards. Um, and your models will have upgrade slots in them that can accept certain upgrades. And there are some generic upgrades that can be put into any slot that you have open. Um, 
and uh, those upgrade cards will have a point cost as well. So you, if you want, um, you know, to to try to squeeze an extra trooper in there, you can go upgrade light, or you can build a you know a more elite team where your troops have cool uh, individual abilities as well. Okay. Uh, how big is the rule book? Um, I think including the table of contents and the cover page, it's 19 pages. Okay, I guess I should also ask, like, is it finished at this point? Uh, yeah, it's about, um, yeah, I would say, you know, 99% finished. Um, the way the rules are going to be distributed, actually, they're just going to be available as a PDF off of our website. And you can actually um, go check them out right now. If you go to breedstorm.com slash beta, all of the rules are there. And um, our plan is to make the game sort of openly and freely playable um, in perpetuity. So uh, the rules will always be available off of our website and all of the model stat cards and the upgrade cards and everything you need to play. There's even some uh, standees you can print out and play with um, right now. Uh, those will always be available. So it'll be like a living rule book. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I like that. I, I really do. I really wish more companies would go with that. I mean, I understand that they kind of want you to get the background and of the universe that they're they're in and they're talking about, but I mean that doesn't really do me a lot of good, <laughs> right. you, you know. Uh, yeah. When yeah. like I have to buy it and it's huge and it's expensive, it's a hardback, it takes up space, and then like you know, oh well, we made a huge mistake, so we have to go to the one point five rules now. Right. You have to buy the rules again. Or, yep. Yeah. yeah, and and then you know you have that big beautiful rule book, but then you need to find a rule in it, and you have to, um, you know, search through twenty pages of gallery in order to to get to the section that you're looking for. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's true. Yeah. I, I, re I really appreciate you know being able to just like control F, you know, yeah. shooting, and you know, like okay, yep. here it is. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, to that point, we we do have a it, it, the the game is set in a unique universe that we've created, and um, all of at least uh, for the time being, we may uh, you know get a little bit more um, advanced with uh, with how we. Uh, kind of immerse you in the universe, but all of the the background information will uh, initially be available on uh, a wiki page that'll be going online on on Breachstorm pretty soon. So all of the sort of general background stuff will be available there, and we'll get into um, the ongoing narrative of the game. Uh, I think in um, in the future, in in uh, a um, more serialized uh, kind of um, method, I guess. Okay, yeah, I, I do appreciate good background. I love, especially with a new IP, I love actually being able to read and decide. And it helps me decide. Like, I mean, cool-looking miniatures are one thing, but then it's like, okay, well, let me read about them. Like, right. oh, yeah, wow. if they're all jerks, maybe I don't yeah, want to play those guys. <laughs> yeah, or, or, you know, wow, the background, these make sound really, really cool. Yeah, because I'm digging the little, um, the tiger guys. They remind me of um, the, what you call it, from Wing Commander. Yeah, the Killer Rathy. Yeah, kill Rathy oh my gosh, from a hundred years ago. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, in that vein, are there any other like science fiction novels, movies, or, or other games or whatever that would you say have influenced you in this game? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so yeah, I guess um, I don't know if there's anything that I can point to specifically, but a sort of genre of, of military sci-fi in general is, um, uh, that's sort of the, the, um, 
the goal, right, is to is that I have in my mind is to sort of um, be able to uh, kind of live up to that genre. Um, A a sort of semi hard sci fi uh, universe is is my favorite. So I think uh, I like to call the Breedstorm universe a viscous sci fi. So it's um, essentially most of the technology is um, is actually, uh, you know, sort of grounded in real world technology or, or things that, you know, we can understand it all has a, um, a relevance to it, but, uh, we do take some liberties in, uh, in, um, uh, sort of, uh, in order to kind of follow the rule of cool a little bit, but, um, yes. So to, um, I guess the, the idea would be to, uh, to sort of be able to uh, present a universe that is within that sort of scope of a, of a realistic and, and believable universe um, that still lets you, you know, gives you the, uh, the ability to you know, play out your, you know, sort of your own story within it. Um, but then being able to tell those, you know, the stories of these, uh, you know, um, kind of specialist troopers who are, um, who are very skilled at, at their work and, um, who have all sorts of cool technology uh, at their fingertips is is really the the dream. Now, uh, let's talk about the Kickstarter itself, which will launch shortly after you're hearing this. Uh, like I know you mentioned two races, extra races for stretch goals. What is your initial target goal? Um, yeah, so we have a goal of just under uh, $20,000 to fund um, with the initial two factions um, and none of the stretch goals. Okay, so just yeah, twenty k. Uh, that's not that's not bad. It, it seems to be about average, you know, uh, for kind of a kind of a new IP. Tell me about like the the different layers, like you know, and of course I always get a kick out of the one, you know, the first one where you can just buy in and you know get into it and and for add-ons later, it's either a dollar <laughs> or five dollars. Yeah, know? but um, past that, like uh. What is the first level? Is it just going to be the two-player starter? Yeah, so we actually have two sort of tiers of core set that you can get into. So there is the the basal level of the game is a faction core set, which gives you everything you need to play as one faction in the game. So it's a it's a full-size team. Um, it's a 100-point team, so you don't have to buy any more expansions to play, uh, unlike some games where you buy the starter set and then you're out another $150 to get all your models so you can actually play a real game. Um, uh, so that is uh, $60, and um, all of the Kickstarter levels are... Uh, you get a slight discount from what the retail price of the game would be, obviously, because we're super appreciative of you jumping on our Kickstarter. Um but like I said, that's $60 that gets you uh, the 100-point team, all of the the cards, uh, the stat cards and tokens, um, and everything you need to play. And then the next level up is 110, and that is a um, the two-player uh, core set, which will essentially have the, the components of both of those faction core sets. Um, uh, you know, within it. So you get two full factions, two full teams, and you'll get all those tokens and cards and everything as well. And that also comes with our set of terrain templates. So um, an interesting thing uh, in the game is that the terrain is sort of built in um, from the ground up. So we actually have a series of, of terrain templates and the rules for them are relatively abstract. So you can use whatever terrain that you have, um, you know, on hand to actually represent the 
the, the specific pieces of terrain that's in that's in the pool there. But uh, before the game starts, you actually take turns uh, setting up the terrain. So that is part of your strategy as well. Um, and those uh, those 2D templates are included in the game. And, and one of the add-ons is you can upgrade. Those are, uh, you know, punch board card templates. Uh, and you could upgrade those to a, a neoprene um, uh, mouse pad material, which is a little more durable. And um, that's what we play with usually. We like to use that. But then okay. on top of that, we actually have um, 3D terrain that's built up in the shape of those templates, and we'll 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 throw that on top. And um, I think it's really sort of the cleanest way to 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 play miniatures games. I think it's uh, now that I've I've played with it so long, I, I don't know if I'm gonna move, but I, I, I can go back to to just sort of pure 2D or 3D terrain. But um, it uh, it it gives you sort of the cleanliness of 2D terrain because all of the terrain is very clearly um, delineated on the table. But uh, if any, uh, you, you, you know, you still get the sort of visual appeal of having all that 3D stuff built up on top of it. You know, you know, I will say that is a another thing that removes ambiguity, ambiguity. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> I from you. a game is uh, is not having 3D terrain. Now, granted, right. it doesn't look as cool. Right. But yeah, there's really no arguing about like, well, can you see me? It's like, well line of sight goes through this hill this hill is level whatever right. and uh, according to that yeah yeah exactly yeah and that def- definitely you know we wanted to make the game fully playable out of the box and unfortunately um you know including 3d terrain was just sort of uh, out of the question at this stage so um if you pick up that two-player core set you know you know you have a table worth of terrain you know at your fingertips right there and you can you know spend the time to build that up into super cool 3d terrain later but if you just want to play it out of the box you can absolutely do that all right what about the the mat itself i because i i think not a lot of people are going to have a three by three mat laying around um so a three by three mat you, there's actually um a whole boatload of places that you can get one of those we don't have one um in the Kickstarter itself, unfortunately, um, we just have the the train pieces. But um, there are, if you want to get sort of a, an upgraded kind of neoprene mat, there are a, a whole bunch of places that you can get one of those separately. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of like all the the mats I have. I have like four by four and four by six. I have uh, one. Uh, what is a DBA is two by two or one by one. No, it's two by two. And so yeah, yeah. that's kind of the smallest I think I have, but I don't think I have a three by three. So, yeah. So okay. you, you, yeah, a lot of people will use like a four by four if they have one of those and, and will you know, mark out the, those extra six inches on off each side. Um, but you know, guild ball uses three by three X wing uses oh, three by three. Okay. Um, and so there are, um, a whole bunch of places that you can get, though you know mats that are, are that size and especially a lot of the fantasy flight games now that they've released legion that's a, a six by three and they'll there's a, a you know a whole bunch of places you can get two three by three mats put them together to play that game um and the same with relic wars as well so you can even you know you can there's a a, a whole market for three by three uh, neoprene okay mats. wow i had no <laughs> idea that was actually um yeah that was a thing yep okay you said Relic Wars or Relic, or is it, you mean Relic Blade? Is that, no, what, what is the name of it? Oh, Rune Wars. I'm sorry. Rune Wars. Rune Wars. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I Fantasy have not played that game. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, if it hasn't come across yet, but yeah. That's a cool game, though. It, it, very interesting. It's like an X cross between X Wing with the movement templates and like Warhammer, old school Warhammer. 
rank right. and file. Cool. Now, um, it, as this Kickstarter starts in a couple of days, and um, where can people like possibly run into you and do a demo game? Are you attending any cons or anything in the next month or two? Um, so the next month or two, we are not, unfortunately. If you are in uh, the Massachusetts area, we do have some um, launch events that are going on uh, over the next three weeks um, that you can you know visit at local game stores around where we are, and you can find all the information for those on our Facebook page. Um, in terms of conventions, uh, we haven't planned out our convention schedule uh, post Kickstarter until we know uh, you know how well the Kickstarter does. Um, but we yeah if, if uh, we were we were at a bunch of events this year, we were all over the place. Did you do Gen Con this year? Uh, we weren't at Gen Con, unfortunately. Um, okay. We were at yeah, Adepticon. Um, the Nova Open was the most recent one just a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, and a bunch of other ones. Yeah, I would say those two more than anything for, for a game like this, for an IP just starting out. Absolutely, especially Adepticon. You know, uh, yeah. because I've found so many cool games that yeah, way. That, just that by one being was able to see it. Absolutely huge. Yeah, we ran. Um, we had two people at our booth uh, all weekend, and, and uh, between them, we we ran um, over a hundred demos, I think. So that was wow. pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to know going into the Kickstarter? Anything else that would sway us, or or anything else? There's so there's just two levels. Well, there's the you know the dollar, the five dollar. There's the <laughs> one faction. There's the two faction. Is there is there anything else? What um, if I wanted to donate like? What if I wanted to buy in at like a thousand and you you name a character after me or something uh, yeah, like that? Yeah, so that is one of the levels. Um, we'll have uh, four of those avail- available, one for each faction, um, where we will sit down with you and um, we will create uh, a unit. Um, sort of in your honor, um, and we'll we'll work that so it fits with the faction and the and the the game universe. Um, but then we also have there, you know, the, as you can imagine, it is a miniatures game, and we have a pretty uh, large number of add-ons for additional miniatures. Um, if you want repeats of of the same model, so you can sort of um, put more of them in your team, you can get those as well. Um, and there are some models that you can add to your team that aren't uh, included in the um, core set. So if you want to customize it a little bit, you can get those. Um, as well as we have things like acrylic tokens and we have measuring sticks and all sorts of cool um, little doohickeys like that. And um, so there are um, going to be um, levels where, you know, you can get all of those at a, at a discount um, with just the, the one pledge level. Okay. Now with this, this, it's always the thing. And I talk about Kickstarters a lot on the show. Uh, I'm, ac- <laughs> I'm accused uh... of, yeah, I mean, That's how talking about them negatively. Days, I think <laughs> that is, yeah, it is a way of doing things. But I mean, absolutely, this is like what I I believe a Kickstarter should be for. If you're just you're you're somebody and you're trying to get a new you launch a new IP, a new game, this is what Kickstarter is designed for. All right. Now that being said, what I was trying to get to was what will MSRP differ? Let's just say the two factor, the two faction, the what I consider like a starter set. Sure. If it's from the Kickstarter at 110, what would you think that would retail for? Um, that will retail for uh, for 120. 120. Okay. And then the single faction core set is normally 65. So it's between five and 10 percent you'll get off um, backing on the Kickstarter. Okay. 
And of course, you know, if you that's the whole argument. If you don't back it, you know, it, it won't happen. And, you know, you just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is. And then uh, we also have, if, if, if you need a little bit more encouragement, uh, we have some limited edition stuff in the Kickstarter as well. Um, we have a limited edition set of measuring sticks. I mentioned those before. And if you do play miniature games and you don't use measuring sticks, um, get on that train because it's awesome. Uh, but those are sort of laser cut uh, precision um, measuring implements. And we, we have a set, a full color set that has our artwork on it. And then we also have one that has our concept art on it, which is really cool, a black and white set. Um, and that one is only going to be available in the Kickstarter. So um, you won't be able to get that um, later on. Uh, then we also have, if you back within the first 24 hours, um, we have a limited edition sculpt for a, um, a character model who's called a contractor. Um, meaning that the model can be included in a, a team of any faction. Uh, so regardless of what faction you want to play, you can you can use her, and uh, we'll have a limited edition sculpt for that that will only be available in the Kickstarter as well. So that's like a mercenary. Yeah, exactly. For for if it, in War Machine terms, okay. Yeah, yep. and that's the is that Calix, the Rogue Paragon. Absolutely, you nailed yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's awesome. I, I, saw, I see her on the uh, the website here, and again, the website is ReachStorm.com. You can uh, check that out, and I guess that is where. Y- People will know where to follow you, and they'll they'll know when this Kickstarter is live. Yep. They can see the rest of your social media, which is Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, all uh, at Breachstorm, which is great. Nobody took those usernames, so we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is there anything else we need to know going um, in? Yeah, so if you are listening to this and you're not sort of a miniature game player, um, but you know you could be persuaded to get into it, uh, we've, we've made some... Um, pretty Herculean efforts to to make the game uh, sort of approachable for new players. So it, the the rules set um, is not particularly complicated. Um, you know, once you once you get into it, like I said before, it doesn't take too long to play the game. The models are easy to assemble, and um, you know, we just want we just want people to play it, man. And if you if you aren't sure about it, you can just go and and you know print and play the whole game um, and just try it at, at your house and and see how you like it. That's really handy. I know, and I actually know a lot of people that do that. It's too much work for me. I'll, I'll always take a risk. I'll always be like, well, let's see. I don't have anybody to play this with, so I better get the two-player started, <laughs> so, so I can so I can do that, you know. And oh uh, yeah, but yeah, print print and play is much cheaper to try it out, I suppose. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's sort of the the free to play of the uh, the tabletop gaming world, right? And you know, all of the biggest the biggest game right now in in. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of video games, is a free-to-play game, uh, and so it it seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> you mean Fort, Fortnite? Yeah, I mean Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if there's anything else you need to, we need to know. Um. Yeah. I mean, we're super excited, and we uh, definitely hope that you uh, you come on and and jump on the Kickstarter and at least uh, hang out with us during the campaign. I think it's going to be fun. All right. Well, Trevor, uh, thanks for joining us, and I hope this drives a lot of traffic to you, and uh, I wish you all the best and hoping this Kickstarter works, and I can't wait to uh, hop on myself. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate talking to you and being able to, to share the good word. All right. Thank you. Good night. Have a good one.